Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Mr. McNamara learned to row. The local sewers, I imagine. He's a townie. He won us the Ivy League championship three years in a row. That's all I know. In an organization. Are you ready to be reborn? Where success is assured. Our membership has its pleasures, its hardships, and sometimes its pain. We live by the rules, we die by the rules. Gentlemen, welcome home. Luke McNamara is about to get an opportunity. A skull hugging the other. He's only dreamed of. But if a secret society can give you everything you desire... This is your pre-acceptance to the law school of your choice. That's gotta be a mistake. You are a skull. Imagine what they can take away. It's time we remove Mr. McNamara. He's no longer loyal. This February... If you keep digging, you're gonna dig your own grave. Only an elite few ever get in. I have evidence. They raised the tape. Who? The skull. They control everything. No one has ever gotten out. They're dead. If it's secret and elite, it can't be good. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to a real treat for the kids tonight as we get our first real-life DJ in podcast studio. An alternative kid by day, superstar DJ, culture quest by night, the one, the only, AJB. Wow, it's quite an introduction. Dude, right off the top, do we have a live plug that we need to give for any of your upcoming shows, DJ shows? Well, uh, probably not the best time to tell you this, but uh, just had a little house party show last mm. Saturday. Cool. I guess my invite is still in the mail. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, but I tried to DM you. I tried to slide into your DMs, but I didn't know your... Uh, my handle? Yeah, your handle. Right. Well, perfect segue uh, to do a little housekeeping. <laughs> My handle on the Instagram is Vicarious Living Podcast on the gram and on Gmail, Vicarious Living Pod at gmail.com. If I'd only known. But yeah, I appreciate <laughs> Dude, next time. Yeah. I have been to a DJ Culture Quest show. What'd you think? Remember, I was dancing my ass off. You were. You were definitely stealing the show. Grossing you out. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of eye contact. Um, I, I had a question for you. One, it was just wanting you to explain that DJ life. Like, what's it like? Is it exactly like DJ Khaled like, says it is? Yeah, a little bit of Tiesto, DJ Khaled. Um, that one guy who died. Uh, Skrillex? Skrillex, yeah. I don't know. He's probably alive, but yeah. I think yeah. so. It's... Uh, I don't know. It's a fun little hobby. Been uh, messing around with. Uh, someone asked me 
when you say you're a DJ, like, oh, really? They ask you all sorts of weird questions, like, uh, like what genre or like what's your scene? <laughs> and uh, my scene? Well, uh, my scene is um, my friend uh, Jack's house <laughs> in the corner of his living room most of the time. Just playing house. Playing house. House music. <laughs> house music is is my scene. So kids, go out and uh, find DJ Culture Quest uh, upcoming live show at Jack's house. Maybe next Saturday. I don't know. I'm still waiting on that invite too. <laughs> Intro for AJ. I've got two fun facts about you. One, I think the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. We were at IU in Bloomington. We were kind of making fun of the movie Orange County with this clip. And his name's William Shakespeare. And some great movies are based on his plays. Hamlet. West Side Story. Talented Mr. Ripley. Waterworld. Gladiator. Chocolat. And then your random movie, like for all of us, when we were saying like Gladiator, Chocolat, you know, classics, was you said Mr. Holland's Opus. (laughs) And for some reason, just thinking about Mr. Holland and his deaf son running an orchestra made me laugh as hard as I've ever laughed yeah, in my entire life. I don't think it life. was a comedic movie. I don't think no. it would find its way on this pod. <laughs> good, good movie, nonetheless. Uh, second fun fact about you is, other than myself over the last 13 years, the only other dick that my wife has seen was right. your penis. That's right. I forgot about that. That was uh, not intentional. Nope. Do you yeah. want to explain how that happened? I uh, I might need some pointers here. I think it was there was a hot tub. So we were in Indiana visiting our old college stomping grounds. Um, just did that thing where it's like, all right, 30 people. We'll get a two bedroom <laughs> yeah. and uh, crush. It'll be like $13 <laughs> per person. It'll be unreal. It's all right. Just find a spot to sleep. Yeah. So you were changing out in the common area. For the hot tub. For the hot tub. Yeah. Trying to get in that hot tub. And uh, my wife happened to walk by. It wasn't a wife, my wife at the time, but she happened to walk by and just saw you completely bald eagle from head to toe. Well, then if, <laughs> if she wasn't your wife at the time, then you might owe me a, a thanks because clearly she she came running to you and didn't change her mind. She and you had no pubes. I might not. I mean, they may have been short. That, I, I remember that trip. The big thing was that you had made a huge, the big mistake of doing the full <laughs> shave less than a week what is the protocol, by the way? What's the the rule of thumb? Good question. Um, I would say when you're manscaping or shaving up from head to toe, you're going to want to make sure that no one sees you within a week of, after you do it. Right. And then after that week, you're kind of golden for the next three or four months. Yeah. Then your nipple hairs start to look like my dad's <laughs> and you have to It's all revisit. about timing. <laughs> yeah. You really yeah, got to time that one out. Okay, let's get in. Let's get down to brass tacks. What's the movie that we're doing on tonight's pod? AJB, the skulls. Oh my God! Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Because you sent me a big long list of available movies. It's quite overwhelming because they're a really nice list full <laughs> of gems. And two reasons I think. One, because as you're going through that list, you just see the skulls, and yeah. it just like sticks out like a sore thumb. And that's also the reason why I think I, I watched that movie originally, because you see this kind of creepy VHS cover, 
It's oh, like yeah. all black and it's called the skulls. And you're like, what is that about? It says war on the cover really big at the top. Yeah. It's like the cover of it's super misleading as to like what this film's about. Totally. But nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, I enjoyed it. I remember like really liking this movie when I was a, a young boy, a young lad and uh, thought I, I want to watch that again. I want to see if it holds up. So it definitely holds up, but not in the way you'd expect. Like, it's it's not like you know you see Hook when you're younger and and that holds up holds like up. Robin Williams with like shaved forearms still crushes just as hard in 2020 <laughs> as he did in 1991. But then this movie is like RP. This movie's like okay. I used to think it was like just a quality film, but now I watch it and I realize it's good in a different way, and it's good because it's awesome to make fun of with how bad it is. I would agree. It's a little squirrely. Yeah. Um, also, you're a frat guy. So, I mean, Skulls is all about secret societies in college. Yeah. So I can definitely, um, you know, I can definitely be coming with an expert perspective on this one. You can chime in. This movie, 2000, directed by Rob Cohen, but not a Cohen brother. Mm. This was his launching off point um, for his next five years, which included... Fast and Furious, 2001. And that explains it. Which he directed right after this. Then he went on to do such highly acclaimed films as Triple X with Vin Diesel mm. in 2002 and Stealth in 2005 with Jamie Foxx. Wow. Wow. This guy sucks. <laughs> everyone realized that he's officially a terrible director and uh, he hasn't done shit since 2005. So He got away with a couple, though. Yeah, I flew a little too close to the sun. Yeah. Um, okay, plot for this movie. we ha- This is just amazing. So the kids get up to speed with what's going on here. Deep within the hollowed walls of Ivy League's most prominent campus exists a secret society where power and elite are bred. Only a few are chosen to join where presidents are groomed, wealthy bloodlines bond, and plots thickened. For Luke McNamara, a.k.a. Pacey from Dawson's Creek, Mm. an invitation to join the prestigious secret college organization, The Skulls, is a dream come true. Until murder befalls another student and Luke finds himself one student amidst the sinister and well-connected brotherhood, and now he must summon the strength to stand alone against immeasurable odds. The Skulls. The Skulls. If that doesn't get you jacked up, I don't know what would. I'm ready. Okay, fun facts. Skull and Bone Society, on which the movie was based. What? Skull and Bone Society is a real society? Yeah. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, apparently it's totally fucking real. And um, they just shortened it to call it the Skulls in this movie. Wow, I need some, I need to do some deep dive into that one after I get out of this pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is fascinating. It's totally real. Um, is the is their logo the same? <laughs> Just a big gigantic skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know what why why it would change. Um, another fun fact: James Vanderbeek, aka Dawson Bitch, was considered for the role of Luke McNamara, which Pacey got. I'm glad Pacey got it. Did you ever see Dawson's Creek? No. Shame on you. I, yeah. Has your lady ever seen it? I don't know. I don't know. It's what like, is she? She's a teen drama fan, right? She's seen some stuff. She likes 80s teen drama. She really uh, likes, uh, what's that vampire movie from the 80s? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt? 
No, um, uh, Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Oh, uh, yeah, That's yeah. That's like her yeah. go-to. So she's, she's like alternative early 80s teen drama. I don't know if that's a, a niche for this pod. I mean, we did Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm. We should get her on for an 80s flick. Yeah, I think she might be available. Send me her number, dude. What? <laughs> <laughs> hey, have her slide into the DMs, dude. Just slide on in. Um, then this is the last fun fact. The film is included on film critic Roger Ebert's most hated list of all time. R.I.P.? Is that guy R.I.P.? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's R.I.P. So that's how we know we're in for a real treat is uh, Roger Ebert really hated it. A little harsh. Let's use that as a transition to guess some Rotten Tomatoes. Where do you stand? Well, I definitely, after rewatching it, I realized that this was kind of a shit movie and (laughs) definitely appealed to my, like, teen boyhood. So now that I'm a 32-year-old man such as yourself. Yep. Uh... I think I would rate this one uh, maybe like a 25%. I'm not even going that optimistic. I'm really? going to say <laughs> I'm going to say 17%. What's the lowest on this pod? Um I think I think Summer Catch with Mike. <laughs> what that one get? <laughs> I think it was like 8. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I really hope this one gets double digits. Something like that. It was not good. It was either 8 or 18. I'm it's, forgetting. It's got Paul Walker. I mean, it's got a couple hot guys, and you got to give it Shit. double digits. We're both way too high. No. <laughs> yeah. Is this lowest? It's nine. and Yeah, Summer catches eight. So 1% better, dude. <laughs> I know how to pick them. know how to pick them. Let me tell you. It's got Paul Walker. Yeah, I mean, dude. Dreamboat. The critics, they don't a know young, what they're doing. A young Paul Walker. Yeah, yeah, it was Saving Silverman that was 18. So, dude, you did not set the record. Mike C. Mike's doing Summer me. Catch with Freddie Prince Jr. takes the cake. Damn it. Player breakdown, are you ready? Let's do it. Josh Jackson, a.k.a. Pacey, a.k.a. Charlie Conway from the Mighty Ducks, a.k.a. in this movie, Lucas Lucas McNamara. I think they also call him Luke. It's like used interchangeably. Yeah. So I've done an extensive deep dive on on Josh Jackson. What are your thoughts on him? Just high level. Uh, Felt like uh, I remember seeing this guy's face a lot when I was younger and then never seeing it again. Yeah, because you saw all the Mighty Duck movies. He was Charlie Conway crushing. Right. You did not watch him in Dawson's Creek, but he is the star of Dawson's Creek. That makes sense. Like Josh Jackson's like out there crushing skulls, getting pussy. He's got like a really soft, some soft features. Like seeing him next to Paul Walker in this movie, you know, Paul's got that chiseled definition contrasted with the soft, subtle... That's you know, such a good point, features dude. Features of Josh You're Jackson. so right. Because, yeah, Paul Walker's like, his jawline could cut glass. Uh, yeah, cut I'm sure glass. fucking nipples could cut glass. I'd like to see that. Yeah? We all would. R.I.P. 
Um, favorite Josh Jackson movies? I got obviously all the Mighty Ducks, D1, D2, D3. That's a given. Mm. Dawson's Creek for me goes in there. Have you seen, though, his new TV show no. on Hulu, Little Fires Everywhere? I have not. It's with Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington. Man, all these stars are just going to streaming. I know. They're all streaming these days. Any yeah. Good? He's in that. It's super good. And then uh, a real underrated film for Josh Jackson. I wrote down, this is back in his his uh, mid-2000 days, Lone Star State of Mind with one Gary Bertier from Remember the Titans. Mm. So you know it's good. Definitely. Paul Walker, RIP. He's next on our list, a.k.a. Caleb Mandrake. I love the name that they gave him. I wrote, Same thing. I wrote down his name is just like, so fucking evil. Was this his first like big hit? No. What was before this? <laughs> what was before this? Unfortunately, he was kind of. So he did Meet the Deedles in '98. I don't know what that is. It, he was like a surfer dude, and then he kind of had this run cast as the preppy douche. Yeah. So like in '98, he did Pleasantville. Then he did Varsity Blues in '99. She's all that in '99. And then the skulls in 2000, where again, he's like a preppy douche. And it wasn't until 2001 with Fast and Furious. Rob Cohen. Rob Cohen film <laughs> that he actually broke the mold of being like that preppy douche kind of guy. Yeah. What what was his character in Fast and Furious? The good heart of gold cop that, uh, you know, was able to toe the line a little bit. Oh, yeah. He was towing. He was towing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he always knew what was good. But he wasn't afraid to get a little bad. Yeah. But he'd always come out on the right side. But then he turned out to just be like totally part of that like super illegal gang. Yeah. I lost track of the whole plot line of Fast and Furious. I know that you've stuck with it and uh, it's been a big part of your life to the point where um, I believe that you've uh, dressed up uh, several times and gone to several. You did that with us. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, we all do it in wife beaters. (laughs) And drink Coronas the super specific way that Dom Toretto drinks Coronas and then goes see the movie on opening night in theater. We were supposed to do it this summer. Fucking Corona happened and ruined all of our lives. So now we got to wait till 2021. Just expect that call. Wait, there was a uh, Fast and Furious that dropped over this pandemic? No, no. It was scheduled to drop this summer. And then because of the pandemic and theaters are closed, they pushed it a year to 2021. There's an unreleased... Fast 9. And and it hasn't leaked yet? No. What? So I'm super ready because I've already had my gray wife beater (laughs) that hasn't been pulled out of the closet in two and a half years. But... It's itching. Bonus. I went on Amazon and bought a mesh tank... To go over top of that wife beater. Ooh, that's a good look. Just like that guy in the movie. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. Have you uh, looked at yourself in the mirror with that on yet? Only half a dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> a little Jameson there. Um, where did you get that tank top, by the way? And that mesh tank. Where do you? Where do you go? Amazon. Where do you, where do you go get it? Amazon. <laughs> Oh, man. That was the first thing that popped up was a mesh tank. Yeah. So, so now your uh, recommended items are going to be followed by 
butt plugs. That's already been <laughs> recommended already for the last like five years based on my purchases. They recommend butt plugs on literally everything I buy. Everything. <laughs> you know what would go great with this toaster? <laughs> butt plugs. Yeah, dude. They just know. Amazon knows me so well. Um. I, okay, so Paul Walker has a whole bunch of just garbage. He does. It's good garbage. It's like tasteful. Watchable. It's watchable, awesome garbage that we all buy mesh tanks and dress up for. But has that effect? He actually had one really good quality flick that he did. He does. He did have in his resume before he passed away. R.I.P. R.I.P. 2006's Running Scared. Mm, never did seen you ever it. see this? Mm-mm. Oh my god! It's a fucked up movie of like child molesters who like kidnap kids. Is he a bad guy or a good guy? He's good. And him and Vera Farmiga. I'm only like 67% sure that's how you say her name. Farmiga. They have like a kid who gets kidnapped by these child molesters and it's fucked up. So this is it kind of like a taken situation? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Mm. Really good. What would he be doing now if he were still alive, R.I.P.? Um, Do you think well, he-, he would be in Fast 9 for 2021 that's, that's for true. sure i'd imagine he would be doing i mean like would stuff. he go the way of like the rock and, and you know turn into like the lovable family character you know it's i always like to think about the actor progression because he's gone from you know typecast surfer douche mm. and he's just evolved to like you know badass badass where does he go from there where would he have gone <sighs> That's a good question, because, yeah, like, even the Vin Diesels of the world did the pacifier. Right. In 2005. It's like the progression. You go to family, friendly. I, he, maybe he'd just, like, start wearing, like, glasses a lot. I could see that. And just being, like, a dad. Yeah. But, like, a dad who's, like, Josh Duhamel, you know? He, yeah. like, gets dirty with his hands, but he wears glasses. Definitely. What type so, of glasses are you thinking? Uh... Just like regular, regular glasses, regular glasses, <laughs> but it just like it just makes him look like more prestigious and stuff. But he, yeah. everyone knows, like, if push comes to shove, he can still like get his hands dirty and beat some ass, right? So, yeah, I'm kind of like netting out of maybe he turns into like a Liam Neeson, I guess. Like, he becomes like a pencil pusher later in life, like a guy working at like a computer software company with glasses, definitely glasses, and then like all of a sudden someone kidnaps his kid. And he's like, got to go to Russia. Yeah. Once you uh, exhaust the American plots, you got to right. expand the same plot just out to different countries, right. different markets. Right. Yeah. That's how it goes. So, I mean, that's how I see it going. I don't know if there's any other ways you were thinking it could go with him. Like maybe a family man? Family man. Maybe he gets into porn. Oh. Things go, things take a turn. Oh, yeah. And... uh like he gets into porn in films or like he's actually like doing porn in real life? Maybe both. Maybe he's uh, avant-garde doing new things that you haven't even thought about yet. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Smaller characters in this movie. Leslie Bibb, the, the lead female character. So but for context, this is uh, Ricky Bobby's wife in Talladega Nights. Well- that's what I had to uh, look up. She was the only actress that I looked up in this movie because I like there was something there. I was like, I, what? What is? What? What is it? I've seen her somewhere else, and then I 
did the IMDb and saw Talladega Nights. And I thought, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that she looked way different in this movie than she did. But I thought she looked good. thought she looked good. I thought she looked good, too. Uh, very skinny for my taste. I like a little more on my ladies. But I got to say, I liked her a lot more, like, looks-wise in this than... Ricky Bobby? Yeah, than uh, Talladega Nights. I'm about to go back and watch that one, too. But I thought she uh, she was great in that movie. She had a couple of great lines. She, so she's funny in that movie. She's actually really funny. And in this movie, it's more of a drama. and there's no There's no comedy needed. But... She's actually pretty funny when she wants to be. Yeah. Other guys, uh, Hill Harper is Will in this movie. And then two other names that you'll just know, Craig T. Nelson, a.k.a. the guy from Coach, villain from Turner and Hooch. And is that Mr. Mandrake? Yeah. 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 He's yeah. evil as fuck. He's, uh, he looks evil. He's a bad guy. Um, and then one shooter, McGavin. Oh, yeah. A.K.A. Christopher McDonald, he's also in this movie somehow. So, what's the timeline? What's the timeline of uh, Happy Gilmore? Is this is that before or after? Happy Gilmore came out, I want to say, in like '96. So this is two to four years after Happy Gilmore. So he's way downhill. Yeah, he's he's on the downhill. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely on the downward uh, spiral. Music transition. Are you ready to get into the movie? Let's do it. Higher. <laughs> my, my favorite part of the movie, I think. I, I was initially wanting to... I Usually what I do on the music transitions into the movie is I put the first song that's playing like during the opening credits. Yeah. But there was no song in the opening credits of this movie. It was just like somber music and then like a thing that flashed up on the screen to explain what like all's going on in Skull and Bones. I, I wish that I had looked up the score of this movie. Or yeah. whoever was in charge of music, because it was all over the place. Oh, yeah. They totally. They start out with, like, piano music. They go into, like, <laughs> trance techno at later points. It's like, I really want to know if this was the, the first job of whoever scored this movie, because it is wacky. It's distracting at times. Yeah. Yes. There's no consistency to it whatsoever. There was no plan. Yeah, <laughs> the music. it was, it was just, like somebody's hey, iPod. Get, hey, we need a Creed song, obviously. <laughs> so then after that, throw an Alicia Keys song in there because yeah. she's big. Like it, there was no rhyme or reason to it. Um, dude, by the way, I just want to say on <laughs> I, I screenshotted this thing when I was looking up Paul Walker and I just want to say it. His grandfather, Paul Walker Jr., was also known as PWJ. Yeah, PWJ was also known as quote Irish Billy Walker, and he was a professional boxer, and he raced cars for Ford, and he was a Pearl Harbor survivor. 
So, so that like, means there's a whole line of Paul Walkers? Yeah. So that makes him Paul Walker the fourth? Third. No. The yeah. fourth. Four. Fourth. Yeah. Fuck. That's a lot and then of he didn't. He, I think he just had a, a daughter. I don't think he had a son before he died. R.I.P. R.I.P. But he probably would have had a fifth. Shit. The line broke. Anyways, talk about fucking just stellar bloodlines, dude. I mean, fuck. Yeah, there's some good genes in that Walker family. <clears throat> so Creed's playing, and uh, this quote pops up at the beginning of the movie, and it says, Every year. At certain Ivy League colleges, an elite group of students chosen to join secret societies. Unlike fraternities, these societies conceal their actions as they mold the leaders of the future. At least three U.S. presidents are known to have been members. The most powerful secret society has always been the the Skulls. See, when I read that opening credits, I was thinking, what is it, like the Stonemasons? I thought that's what they were basing it off of. So when you told me that the skulls actually existed, I guess it's just secret oh, societies in general. What is that? It's in the Da Vinci Code. It's not the stonemasons. It's the uh, Illuminati. Yeah, but aren't the stonemasons part of the... I don't know. I don't know. We could... It's secret stuff. It's secret. secret stuff. We wouldn't know. We can't Because we're not there's in it. N- there's no way to tell. I mean, are you and I president of the United States? I wouldn't tell you if I was. Yeah. So we wouldn't know because we. that means we haven't been in a secret society. <laughs> So yeah, essentially this movie is just all about secret societies and it's like it exposes what's really going on. Yeah, thank thank you skulls for <laughs> illuminating culture. Yeah, that, for <laughs> for shining a light on like all the murder and corruption that's happening in these uh, like Ivy League school collegiate secret societies. There um, was before skulls and after skulls. <laughs> as soon as I watched this movie, it was like my third eye just popped right open. But something's working with these movies because they made like two or three sequels. Like I was looking, they did up, not. There's like Skulls two, Skulls three, Skulls four. I'm sure those are good. Yeah, they're probably so good. <laughs> <laughs> they, they grabbed whatever teen stars were happening in 2004 and then 2008. I'm sure. But this movie, it takes two top recruits, McNamara, aka Luke Pacey. Very, very strong names. Very strong character names in this movie. So Luke McNamara's wrong side of the tracks guy. We already talked about that. He's got a real chip on his shoulder. He's all heart though, and he's ready to fuck up rich kids. Even though he, it seems like he kind of like really desperately wants to be part of the rich crew. Yep. Like he he goes to an Ivy League school. He wants to be in the secret society. He wants to go to law school at Harvard. Well, he's trying to better himself. You know, he sees that he wants to uh, have a, a future. You know, his line is the future's. My future is killing me because he wants to be a lawyer. He's got aspirations to be a. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> Head sweats here. <laughs> it's a little toasty Came in this to pod play. studio. <laughs> I turn up the heat, dude. I make it real in here. It really gets the creative juices flowing if you're sweating out of your ass. Uh, yeah, but he wants to be a lawyer. So. Um, I don't know if it's as much as he wants to be part of the rich. I think that's part of it, but he also, you know, they make it very clear in the beginning that he's got big time uh, law school tuition fees to pay. Yeah, he's like a hundred and twenty grand in the hole because he goes to Yale. Which, is it Yale? Is that what it is? Yeah, it, it's funny. So they show all the other Ivy League schools in this movie except Yale, but I know it's it's like they just didn't get permission or something because when he's on the the crew team. 
They all have Y's on their shirt. It, they're called the Bulldogs. It's very clear that he goes to Yale, yeah. but they never mention it. But they mention all the other schools, Harvard, Dartmouth, yeah. uh, everything. Actually, fun fact, I inject one. Yeah, yeah. A lot of this uh, movie was shot at Dartmouth. Oh, really? Yeah. Like the rowing scenes, I think. And uh, Damn. Yeah. Cool. Hank M., who's been on this pod, his brother went to Dartmouth. That's all I know about it. Fun fact, too. Yeah. The other guy, dude, Caleb Mandrake. We already talked about him. Paul Walker, he's a rich prick and a skull from the day he was born. That's what the recruiters say about him. (laughs) I love those recruiters just sitting in the stands with binoculars, just checking out the the hot dudes to join join their fraternity. (laughs) They had to just be going on looks alone. Like... I I imagine they probably looked at their resume, like, what's this guy's grades? What sort of, like, groups has he been in? Is he athletic? Like, is he crushing intramural football or crew? How hot are they? How hot are they is the main thing. A lot of hot dudes in the skulls. You know what I also saw? Not a lot of diversity Not in the skulls. Not a lot of diversity, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was, uh, in- like, I was thinking about how this movie would play today. and uh, It would. It would <laughs> Like most movies on this pod, uh, but the only, the only, I think the sole black person besides a background character in the beginning scenes of uh, his murder, the only other black guy gets hung, murdered. and beat to death, Straight <laughs> murdered. I know. And look, on this podcast, we're not advocating for that. Obviously, obviously not. We would have loved a lot more diversity in I, the Skulls crew. I wish there were no white people in this movie. I wish it was none whites. <laughs> But yeah, the crew was just white as fuck. And so there's like eight pledges who they who they deem the skulls deem are like acceptable to pledge to be in the secret society. But whenever they showed the older members who apparently have nothing else going on, they can just always show up to like meetings and stuff. And so a senator just hanging out. (laughs) Yeah. But literally all white males yeah all white males in the secret society well i i think that that was also kind of like an underlying theme of this whole movie of uh class you know and uh how much of your path in life is based on merit versus uh oh yeah yeah you're right they did do a lot of that talk of like how much is based on meritocracy versus what you're born into i think if they were to redo this movie today it would be like way more class in your face like at this this yeah. whole plot i think would play today you know but but amplified they'd have to tweak it a little bit yeah except the uh the josh action would probably be uh you know maybe jaden smith jaden smith yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it's movie so uh, let's just they all get selected. So it's like, okay, they got Josh Jackson, they got Caleb Mandrake. They get selected to be in this in this secret society. Because they're hot. Because they're hot. Um, they drug them all <laughs> to where they pass out. And then they have them all like be quote unquote reborn. And they have them all wake up in coffins yeah. in like the bowels of this secret society's lair. Mm-hmm. Like on little pods. Yeah. And they all wake up and it's like, hey, these eight non-diverse white guys (laughs) are about to just be like the next crop of like future senators, future presidents, future leaders of America. I want to play a clip now. (laughs) 
there's not that much else to talk about. What's the clip? The the clip is the first task they're given. Oh, they get (laughs) it. Yeah, Yeah, they're given like tasks of like go do this um, to prove your worth because the whole thing is about they have this like quote unquote pledge ship, right? Which, by the way, did you have a pledge ship for your? Yeah, I did have a pledge ship. It was a lot longer than what was portrayed in the skulls, (laughs) which was about like two or three days. It's like, hey, do you want to be the next future leader of the United States? Well, all you got to do is be have a great jawline. And know how to cover up a guy you murder. That's about it. And then if you can do that over the course of three days... You're in. Yeah, <laughs> if you have those two covered. Anyways, um, I do. it, it harkened me back to my uh, collegiate days uh, pledge, right. pledging at a fraternity that you, I did not stick out. You, uh, you said this wasn't for you. You said, you know what? No. I, I see right through this ruse. No, I see yeah. where this is going. So it was an eight-week pledge ship. I think we made it about, me and my, my five other friends from high school, we made it about six of the eight weeks. And then at that six-week point, after we had been hazed aggressively for like the hundredth time, I think on the last night they had lined us up in a, in a lineup like they had always done at the front of the room. And... They had all of us stick our arms up in the air and hold, like straight out in the air. Can't bend your arms, can't bend your elbow. And they put uh, winter jackets on the end of our arms to like hold up and like tear all of the tendons in our arm. So that was going on from a, a body perspective. And then there were dudes who were just coming up and braiding us like in our faces, spitting in our faces and telling and asking us questions like, how do you still have acne, bitch? <laughs> meanwhile, character builder. meanwhile the other brothers in the house are in the back of the room and they have a bucket of water and they're dipping big chunks of toilet paper into the water and seeing as you're holding the uh getting spit on in the face and holding the coat and looking up at a point in the ceiling seeing if they can get the toilet paper to hit your face exactly well that's how you know if you're going to be a good brother or not <laughs> how else are you going to know if you're going to be a good brother or not. Look, I totally get all that. Um, I was on board. <laughs> how else are you going to choose your soulmates? Yeah. How else are you going to know if you guys are going to be lifelong friends with each other? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, soon after that night, we had all just decided to fucking quit. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wish that I, you know, speaking of the video cameras that they have throughout the Skulls oh, yeah. establishment, I would pay st- top dollar to watch these films of you going through that oh getting hazed i would too dude honestly (laughs) i was probably such a bitch back then i just couldn't take it you know such a pussy Mm. so anyways in the skulls they get their first task before you can enter our world and begin your year our council has a small task for you to complete the university's secret society has been playing a little game for over 200 years mascots We steal theirs, they try and steal ours. We have one left for a complete set. At Snake and Skeleton Society, their mascot, a python. But remember this, a snake without scales shows its veins. You have until dawn. So they got to steal, like, the mascot of a rival secret society? Yeah. There's a riddle. There's a little bit of a riddle and challenge involved. Uh Uh-huh. And it's like... 
it, it eventually turns out that it's a a, it's a weather vane. It's, it's a, a snake. Yeah. It's a weather vane. It's a snake. On top of a tower. Right. And when all the pledges go to steal that shit, they realize it's like up on top of the, it's like a weather vane. So it's like on top of the roof. Pretty high. High as fuck. And the only two guys that have the stones to go get it, fucking Mandrake and McNamara, dude. Only ones. Everyone else is standing there like a bitch. Yeah. So when I'm looking at that, I'm going, all right, I guess I know the two guys who really want to be brothers. Yeah. I was also just thinking like a lot of theatrics going on from the the skulls when they're initially telling them about that task. Yeah. Like they're all in robes with some weird lights behind them. Well, I wanted to call this out because I thought that like they they did a pretty hilarious job of like showing the intersection of like weird ritualistic stuff meshed with like borderline homo erotic yeah in this movie oh yeah there's like first of all they're in like a dungeon and there's like chains and stuff like that and there's dudes in robes which like kind of is very similar in some ways to like fraternities you know snm like yeah i mean everyone you know are you guys doing that and you're friend of course i mean it's (laughs) yeah it's uh week seven yeah (laughs) but uh yeah, there was a lot of theatrics. So, like, I think anyone who's not been part of that ridiculous thing that we've created as humanity called, like, Greek life, like, that is what people think of. Like, this weird yeah. stuff. And it does border on homoerotic. A lot of it. Like, from the... Yeah. They, they call them your soulmate. I yeah, was, yeah. Were you not cracking yeah. up when they were like, who's yeah. your, soul- <laughs> your yeah. soulmate? Yeah, they pair all these skull pledges up with one another. So, like, everyone's got a quote-unquote soulmate who's, like, his <laughs> his life gay partner. Yeah. How about when uh, Caleb Mandrake uh, and Lucas do the tie scene? When they, uh, when he, when Caleb comes in, it's like, hey, having tie treble? Yeah, it's like, oh, man, I remember when I didn't know how to tie a tie stuff hey you would need help with that tie it's always hard. hold on turn around no you need to face the mirror i need to be behind you bend over it's better for me if you're bending over in front of the mirror while i tie your tie it's so much easier for me when i'm tying my own which is which is like kind of i mean exemplary of of like fraternity life it's like this weird blend of yeah, it's true, dude. I love that point. It's definitely the frat life. And I think that's why I realized I didn't need it because <laughs> I was like so straight as fuck. Oh, dude, I, totally, man. I was so straight and stuff. I didn't realize I didn't need it. Um, also, like I just I had enough shit going on. I didn't need to like be like performing all these tasks and stuff like that. That was what it was like. And also another thing that was similar in this movie was like, here's your pledge book. Like here's your book. Yeah. yeah. You're uh for me at Sigma Chi, I'm gonna call them out. Oh no. Sigma Chi at uh IU, it was your Jordan Standard is what they called that book. And it was the same thing, like don't lose this, like fucking never lose this. Yeah. And then you know what ended up happening to my Jordan Standard after I quit? What happened? Uh like a couple weeks after I quit the frat, I had the worst breakup of my life, and by that I mean I obviously was broken up with. And then me and all of our friends <laughs> We went to the house at like three in the morning because I was fucked up <laughs> on depression, and we all just burned our books in their parking lot. 
That'll show him. That'll show you. Yeah, that showed him. <laughs> I don't need your frat. Hey, man, fuck you guys. My girlfriend broke up with me. <laughs> yeah, anyways, dude, I want to get into our uh, a big segment on this pod. A little Ryan Phillippe. Are you ready? Let's do it. Ryan Phillippe Practice Hero Award list. Here it is. It's easy to sum it up. We just talk about practice. We sitting here, we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice? I mean, how silly is that? First nominee, Luke's friend, Will. Mm-hmm. I got it. Okay, so Ryan Phillippe, just for the kids who are not familiar, this is the award of the guy or girl who's doing way too much in every single scene. They're a practice hero because they're in practice and you just want them to do so much fucking less. So I have Luke's friend Will on this list because after Luke comes back for the first night of his fucking pledge ship, yeah. Will freaks out at like a 30 out of 10 level. Yeah, he gets heated. He gets heated fast. Real fast. With this clip. No, yeah, for three years, we made fun of these private school dicks that never gave us the, the time of day. And now you're saying you're going to hang out with them? Wait, well, this doesn't affect our relationship at all. That's bullshit, man. I can even say that. Two nights a week, you're going to be doing stuff you never tell me about, never talk about, right? Well, I swear to God, this doesn't change anything. Are you, you going to say something? Are you going to back me up? Come on, Chloe, take a stance for once in your life. Tell him I'm right. Come on, Chloe, tell him I'm right. Don't yell at her because you're mad at me. Don't tell me how to talk to my friend, all right? If you're mad at me, you right, to talk to me. No, I won't. Guys, chill out before you say something you don't mean. It's like, dude, whoa. What baggage? I just went away for one night, guy. Yeah, and he was like borderline like joking around about it the night before. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, comes out with a, comes out swinging. It's like, dude, I don't know what your damage is for your whole life and why you're so angry. If it's illegal <laughs> and it's secret, it's not good. Whatever yeah. he says. He was like on some moral high ground about it. And it was like he had taken like a whole lifetime of baggage and just like unloaded on this guy who just went to a, like a fucking frat party for one night. It was a little jarring. It was it was noticeably doing too much. I think it's a good candidate. So he's one. Um, look, I hate doing this. Don't do it. But number two is Paul Walker, R.I.P. Yeah, there were moments where he was doing a lot. Uh, a whole lot. <laughs> like this, uh, this is a whole lot of Paul Walker in this movie. I'm not going to spoil anything just yet on how this movie ends, but I just want to play a clip of Paul Walker talking to his dad <laughs> on a phone just so you can get a sense of his Ryan Phillippe status. Guy, what do you want me to do? Okay, okay, 
But I killed him, Dad. What do you want me to do? All right. Leave you. him. I love you, Dad. Dad, isn't that murder? I should call the cops. It's murder, Dad. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot. And look, I love I love Ryan Phillippe. I love Paul Walker. Just saying he did too much is not to say we don't love them. No, you dr- you we dress up like him from time to time. Yes. Number three on my list, Shooter McGavin, a.k.a. the university provost in this movie. Was he doing a lot? I put him on here solely for the fact that he just tried to murder like four people. Yeah. He was like, a henchman. He was, he, was, a- <laughs> he, was, he was like the dean of the university, essentially. They totally and he was just trying to kill in. tons of people. He shows up. The, his, his character introduction was so whack. Like, all of a sudden, he's getting interrogated by that cop. And I don't even know what his title was. It's like the school... University provost. What, is, what does that mean? I have no idea. I've I, never heard that title. I assume it's like the dean or something. I don't know. I might as well look that up. The provost. I don't even know how to spell that. Let's look it up. Universe, let's go to Wikipedia. University provost. That must be an Ivy League title. Okay. A provost is a senior academic administrator... And many institutions of higher education in the United States and Canada. As opposed to, um, I mean, that is the most generic. He's a senior academic ad- administrator. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? Um, but usually includes supervision and oversight of curricular, instructional, and research affairs. Everything. I do. I administrate. Oh, it says the various deans of a university, schools, colleges, and faculty or faculties generally report to the provost oh he's he's above Shit. the dean wow so anyways that's shooter mcgavin and again i just put him on here because he tried to murder like four college kids yeah he got a little bloodthirsty anyone else you thought was doing too much um i thought that chloe was doing a little bit too much the uh mm. the female lead especially in the uh church scene after will has been brutally murdered she uh goes Cries pretty hard. Ballistic. Yeah. Clip. I lied. Will lied. And now you're lying. You're lying to me. Yeah, she's doing a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, little, little, little too much. That's good though, because I wanted a little gender diversity in this. We're Ryan all about Phillipe. that on this pod. Yeah, we're all about diversity. We didn't want just like three guys on there, so getting a, a female in there was key. So, of those four, who do you think was doing the most? You have Will, you have Shooter McGavin, Paul Walker, and Chloe. Who do you think was just doing the most? I'd say number one, Will. It was uh... R.I.P. Because he was murdered in this movie. <laughs> I think that's number five. <laughs> he was murdered. Okay, goes to Will. I'm cool with that. I I, did, I agree. I I mean, he was my first nominee. The whole reason I got into the Ryan Philippi on this pod was sparked by Will. Yeah. Of doing too much. Right. So I'm fine with him getting it. This is where we find out Caleb's dad, Craig T. Nelson, is the leader of the Skulls. Yeah. It's a bad guy, dude. But he's been a skull for a long time. Yeah, this guy has way too much white supremacy time on his hands. He, just from a visual standpoint, uh, listeners on this pod, if you 
haven't watched this movie, just get a get a They visual. haven't. They haven't. <laughs> they, <laughs> no, I, think, I think you and I are the, the kids only. have never seen this. But he just has he just looks so he did such a great job of being a villain. He's got this like pencil thin mustache thing going on. <laughs> yeah. And this receding hairline, but slick back hair, and he just embodies all things of a overbearing father. Yeah, just a dick. Have you not never seen Turner and Hooch? No. He's the bad guy up against Tom Hanks and Hooch in that movie. And uh yeah, he, he he's like essentially the same character in this as he was in Turner and Hooch. And I just kept thinking I imagine that Jeffrey Epstein and all of his friends are exactly like Craig T. Nelson in this movie. Well, that's what I was going to go to with this movie is there's a lot of uh, Epstein kind of like ties in. They go to Fuck Island. That's yeah. like day three of their pledge ship. They get on boats, go out to an island yeah, and uh, have like some nice drinks. They're all wearing suits, just a bunch of dudes in this beautiful island. They're just chumming it up and then they play the Creed song. Yeah, that's where Cree comes in, and they all just, yeah, they fuck. They huh? fuck. <laughs> it was like the most low-key, like, subtle nod to, like, this is Fuck Island. We're going to go off into our own place. No one's around us, and we're just going to fuck. It was amazing. I mean, I've never pretty, been a pretty part good. of something like this. So. <laughs> I mean, despicable. I mean, how could you? I just, I've always had to work my ass off to ever have sex in my life. Like, it's never come easy. No. Even, like, now, even now? Even now, dude. Been married for four years, been together with the same girl for 13 years, and yet still the same amount of hardship. (laughs) So, yeah, seeing that scene where Creed's playing and everyone's just fucking left and right. Yeah. It's like, damn. I mean, I'd never want anything like that, though. Oh, no. 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 Despicable. No, it's despicable. I want to go to a clip of... Here's the main plot point of this movie. Here's where shit goes awry. So (laughs) up to this point, we've just been like totally joining an innocent secret society to become a future leader of America. Oh, right. Not a big deal. But at this point, shit hits the fan. Yeah. And it's because Will, the Ryan Phillippe, Mm -hmm. he is a little mad that he's losing his friend Luke, a.k.a. Pacey. Mm Mm-hmm to this secret society so he feels like he needs to expose fucking will if it weren't for will this whole movie would have gone so great (laughs) you're right (laughs) sorry so will decides he needs to like expose and write a newspaper article about like skull and bones like all fucked up skulls fucked up yeah and so he steals paul walker's key to the secret society and and pledge book pledge book and then he, like, sneaks in, and then Paul Walker finds him. Clip. Then I went to the ritual room, and he was photographing everything. You broke into my car. You stole my key. You stole I tried my to book. Stop him. Now I want your camera. I want the tape, and I want my stuff back now. Okay, you know, here's your key. Right, you can have that, but um, I, I got your book. I don't have it with me, though, and we can get that anytime. No, right? I'll tell you what. You give me the key. Okay, I'll give you the key. We'll go get the book together. You won't say anything. All right, calm down, man. Calm down. All right, no I won't say anything. Hey. Nothing will happen to you and everything will be fine. How about if I tell you I can't do that, all right? We don't know. At this point in the movie, 40 minutes in, we don't know what happens because the clip just like cuts out. Right. So we don't know when Paul Walker confronts Will 
shit, what happened? What did you assume happened when you first saw it? Well, they they kind of inferred there was some foul play because like immediately after that, Josh walks in or Lucas walks in and sees his buddy Will hung. So in, it, in his apartment. In his apartment. So yeah. it's kind of inferred that there was some foul play, but you don't know the particulars of how it went down. So we assumed Paul Walker must have killed Will for stealing his, his key and stuff. Yeah. And then the cover-up was hanging Will f- in his own apartment and just making it look like a suicide. Yeah, it's kind of known that there was yeah. something amok. I was thinking, though, the Paul Walker I know... Right. Nah. Fast and Furious, Paul? No. No way. Something's fish. Yeah. E. Yeah. We know Paul. We benefit from knowing Paul Walker in the Fast and Furious franchise, so there's no chance that this was a, a Paul murder. No, and then he totally professes his innocence. Oh, yeah. And when he admits to it? Yeah, he's like... We got into a scuffle. He stole my key and stuff. But then, like, I chased him up this thing, and then he, like, fell off this, and he, like, broke his neck when he landed. Not my fault. I, I was literally just trying to get my key back. I didn't, like, try and kill him. You know, another reason why uh, he deserves the Ryan Phillippe nomination is just because, like, why wouldn't you, when you get confronted and you get caught, you go through the effort of stealing all this stuff, and then you get caught. By Paul Walker, who also was oh. a boxing champ, just chiseled, taking his shirt off like six times in this movie. So true. Just cut. Yep. Great jawline. Cut from head to toe. Hairline on point, too. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Gets caught by this, uh, you know, Hitler youth. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of just like copping to it, you're like a five foot five dude. You're going to try to outrun Paul? No. No, you're not going to no. outrun Paul. No, you, in some ways, you know, I, I would never say this on this pod, but he might have deserved it. <laughs> to die? <laughs> yeah, Will deserved to die. That's a hot take that I think I'm comfortable going with. Yeah, he he deserved it. I think so. Yeah, he had it coming. Look, I'm not going to shy away from that sort of a hot take. <laughs> you don't break into my frat. <laughs> All right. Hey, yeah, you fucking steal my shit and, like, break into my secret society? Like, I'm going to be mad. Right. Which is my favorite line of the of the movie, too, when uh, Mr. Mandrake uh, explains to Lucas. Well, it may not be right, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy's so fucking evil. <laughs> This is why this movie sucks in a good way. None of these characters have any layers. Like, most evil people have some, like, good or whatever. It's like, no, no. Craig T. Nelson is just evil all the time. Like, he wakes up in the morning and pees evil out of his wiener when he wakes up. And then has a cup of evil coffee and then goes to his evil job. And then he secretly beats off evilly in the bathroom. So his boss doesn't see. There's a lot of evil coming in and out <laughs> coming, of that. Body. A lot of evil coming out of his dick. So, all right, dude. Honestly, let's zag. Let's zag to the most out of place sex scene I've ever seen in a movie. Let's do it. Song. Good 
oh, I guess sex is going to happen. Yeah. And it, the scene didn't start that way. But then when the song started playing, I was like, it's oh, uh, yeah, obviously someone's going to start sucking someone off. <laughs> I'll say, I remember this scene vividly when I was in my younger uh, years because this one did it for me. Oh, dude, such a hot sex scene. It's a hot sex scene. We got the shower, we got the steam, and yeah, I remember I remember it moved when I was uh, a young You had movement in your, in your loins. There is a little bit of movement. My, I guess my question is, so at this point, like, his best friend has just been murdered. He's trying to figure out, like, a cover-up to a murder of his best friend, and all this shit's going down. And then, like, in the middle of this movie, it's like he's cool just, like, putting that off to the side. Danger. To, like, fuck. Danger, horny, where danger meets horny. When danger meets horny meets your 20. Yeah, they are pretty young in this movie. <laughs> So, that's where he found the bugs. And that's why, in the sex scene, they had to go into the shower and get all sexual and stuff. Was yeah. because, like, they got to escape the bugs Which, in the apartment. I need to remember to use that one sometime. <laughs> oh, whoa, let's go. They're, we're probably bugged. We need to go into the bathroom. They're listening to us. Come on. Shut all the windows. Come on. Turn the AC down. Hey, take your shirt off. Are you, I need to make sure you're not bugged. Yeah, oh, there's probably bugs on your clothes and, and, and whatnot. Take your pants down. They probably put one in your pants. Throw them out the window. We don't even want like a chance of you being able to put your pants back on. Throw them out the window. Don't you the understand? Bugs. They're listening to us. Take your bugs off your pants. <laughs> now, my other thought on that sex scene was just, you're in a relationship now. You're a relationship guy. Relationship guy, yeah. The first time in your life, you're a relationship guy. First time ever. How many times have a brutal like argument ever led to sex? For me, not not so much. For me, every time we get into a massive argument, it means that there will be no sex for at least like a week. Oh, okay, yeah. Then I'm I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. on the same I'm side of the fence. Yeah, I'm with you there. But in movies, it's always like. Oh man, a big argument, and then all of a sudden, like everyone gets horny. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the sexual tension like ratchets up like ten notches, and yeah. everyone's just trying to like, fuck. That is a good point. Why is that? Because in real life, it doesn't go like that. Yeah, if that were in real life, would be, we're bugged. Turn on the shower. Yeah. Like, what, are <laughs> no, what are you doing? What, what, no, what are you doing? In we're real life, I'm yelling that she, her pants are bugged and she's <laughs> saying you're sleeping on the couch tonight and you're not having any sex for at least six days. <laughs> Your friend just died. What are you trying to do? What are you doing? <laughs> There's no bug in my pants. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> All right. So fast forward. Lucas, he steals the tapes. Steals the tapes. He gets the tapes of like what actually happened. So this whole movie yeah. is just about who murdered Will in the secret society. That's pretty much what it turns out to. And so Luke's like, you know what? As we were talking about at the beginning, even though he's from the wrong side of the tracks, dude, at his core, this is a good character guy. Yeah. Great. Can't, can't heart. break him. 
cannot break his heart and his character. So he's like, dude, I need to expose like what's really going on. They killed my best friend. I'm not going to like stand for this. Mm -hmm. So he steals the fucking tapes. Even though he uh, had a good time on Fuck Island. Yeah, he did. (laughs) He did. But he's like, I don't care. Like, I already got the car for free, the 20K in my bank account for free, and I had sex for free on Fuck Island. Don't care. Now, I'm going to expose all their bullshit. So he goes to the cops, and, like, the cops are like, nah, baby, nah. Not happening. We're not listening to you. You're obviously full of shit. And he even shows them the tape, and it's like some cop did some like switcheroo where right. like they didn't actually see what happened and stuff. Cop was bought. Cop was bought by the skulls, and so they send Luke McNamara to a mental hospital. Brutal. Who's gonna break him out? Chloe, and the senator, and the senator. Yeah. Yeah, they break him out. And then we find out, like, oh, dude, the cop's been on his side the whole time. Because when they break him out, the cop, he fucking shows up because Shooter McGavin tries to kill Josh Jackson and stuff. And then fucking the cop kills Shooter McGavin. None of this plot makes sense. I'm just listening to myself and none of it makes sense. I will say that, like, the last 20 minutes of this movie is like (laughs) a fucking, it's like the vortex at King's Island. It is all over the place, but in a good way. Like, yeah. it's entertaining as fuck, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, let's just try and break it down. Yeah. He gets sent to the mental hospital. That's owned by the Skulls. Yes. We were under the assumption that the cops were bought. Yes. So his girlfriend shows up to the mental hospital with the senator, who's a Skull. Who's a Skull. But he's a good skull. He's one of the few good ones. He's a good skull. So his girlfriend and the senator of the good skull show up to break him out of the mental hospital. They do it. Easily. (laughs) Way easier than I thought. But then Shooter McGavin shows up. He's like a bad skull. Bad skull. Ryan Phillippe nominee. Yep. He shows up and he's like, I got to kill everyone. Yep. For some reason, even though I'm a university provost making 140k per year, probably have a very nice life. Yeah. I need to just murder. Yep. The cop who we thought had been bought by the skulls shows up when Shooter McGavin's trying to kill everyone and fucking kills Shooter McGavin. And then we realize, whoa. Yeah. This guy's a skull himself. Even when I explained it slower, it still didn't make much sense. Actually, I didn't realize that the cop was a skull. He's the only black skull. Oh, yeah. I guess so. That'd be a good sequel. Because the cop was black. Yeah. He he actually shot Shooter in a very cool way. No emotion. No. He was chewing gum, I think. Yep. Uh, Is that sequel just called Black Skulls? (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude. So let's go to the last act of this movie. The last act is we realize now that Luke McNamara has escaped from the mental hospital and stuff. (laughs) I could listen to just a podcast of you just explaining this plot. Trying to break the plot down because it's so loose. That's why this movie, what was it at, 11? Nine? Nine. 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 It was single digits. Nine single digits. 
this seems like a fever dream. Like, if you were to ask somebody after they watch this movie to explain it, it'd be like, get, are you, you need to go to a mental no, hospital. No, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not trying to explain that shit. So, okay. They escaped the mental hospital. And murder happened. But now it's like, all right. Luke, a.k.a. Pacey, he's got to take down the secret society. Yep. And he's not going to take them down in the traditional way. No. It's like, there's only one way to take down the skulls. Clip. We live by the rules. We die by the rules. I, I, by the rules. Live by the rules. Die by the rules. Yeah. Just like Sigma Chi. Just like Sigma Chi. That's when we realize it's on, dude. Yeah. Like, what's what's the rule? The rule is, if you catch some beef with a skull, uh huh, your soulmate. The only way to deal with that beef is to challenge him to a duel, a gentleman's duel. Gentleman's duel. Gentleman's duel. Gentleman's duel. Yeah. So, I put a big star next to it, and it's the duel breakdown. Let's do it. Background music. What's the background music? I don't even remember, but I wrote it down. <laughs> so, I'll find it. Caleb, a.k.a. Paul Walker, and Pacey, a.k.a. Luke McNamara, a.k.a. Josh Jackson, they gotta have a duel to the death. What happens is, first, the older skulls present, like, several pistols to select from. Yep. My man Paul chooses the big pistol. Yeah, from like 1800s. Old ass pistols. Could be from the 1600s. Back to back, 10 paces. Uh, Paul Walker apologizes to Lucas for what he has to do to him. Which yeah. Is, which is kill him. Kill him. Because Paul Walker is a crack shot, as we know from the Fast and Furious franchise. And Craig T. Nelson said it. True. 10 paces. Uh, Paul Walker turns around. Josh turns around. Josh drops his pistol, puts his hands up and says, don't do this, this is murder. He keeps yelling, tell the truth, Caleb. To which Paul Walker says, dad! He's like, dad! He's just pointing the gun at him and, and, and Josh Jackson just has his hands up. He's like, fucking do it, bitch. Do it, bitch. Pretty strong move. I'm not going to fight it. And as we know from any movie or TV show, if someone's ever pointing a gun at you, all you have to do is just go, do it. That's right. Fucking do it. And guess what? They'll never fucking shoot. It applies in real life, too. Yeah. Yeah. It does. So, that's what happens. And then Craig T. Nelson, fucking Caleb's dad, he grabs his own gun and he's about to just kill Josh Jackson. And that goes against all the rules of the gentleman's duel, dude. Yeah. So, Caleb who's like a skull and bones historian now realizes no go you're gonna break the rules of the gentleman's duel i'm gonna shoot my own dad shoots his dad shoots his fucking dad mandrake versus mandrake that's mandrake on mandrake crime i don't know if his dad died no he's he had a couple lines in which uh flesh wound <laughs> he the uh he gets shot all the skulls run to mr mandrake the head skull king skull and they prop him up enough to look at uh, his son, Caleb, and he says, you weren't worth the effort. <laughs> <laughs> to which Caleb 
Paul Walker takes that pretty hard. Yeah. Grabs another pistol. Yeah. Looks there's just pistols all over the place here. Walks off and uh, attempts to uh, off himself. <laughs> He's just going to commit suicide. <laughs> and then Josh Jackson is like, nah, dude, I'm not going to let that happen. He goes and stops Paul Walker from killing himself, and he like dives on him as he's about to like shoot himself in the head. Yeah, and then saves his life. Turns out they were soulmates after all. <laughs> so, all right, super late for me to get into this on the pod, but I wanted to not spoil any of that explosive plot before I gave my official MCITW. Mm-hmm. So now that we have have heard about the movie through and through. I want to say the MCITW winner of the Skulls, the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week. That is the MCITW and is brought to you by Wicklow, where W-I-C-K-L-O-W, where be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at Wicklow.com. Type in the promo code VL, which I will get 10% off your order. $40 on the baseball tees. Just kidding. $30 on the baseball tees. $40 on the hooded sweatshirts. $20 on the tanks. AJ has a $30 baseball tee on right now in podcast studio that we forced him to buy. I'd During easy, someone's bachelor party. I'd easily pay $31 for this. Easily, he would pay $1 more for it. It's an 80-20 cotton poly split. That is the softest bullshit that could ever be on your body. It's like wearing a pillow. The MCITW in this movie, it could go to no one else other than Craig T. Nelson, a.k.a. Caleb's dad. <laughs> that guy is a real piece of shit. And he is the most evil man in this movie. He's the biggest white supremacist I've ever seen. He is a Jeffrey Epstein-esque character. Mm. Without a doubt. Who just has a ton of like really bullshit friends who are trying to like rape and stuff. So Craig T. Nelson, get fucked. You are the MCITW winner on this podcast. Are you comfortable with that? I'll go with it. Be free and explore. Brought to you by Wicklow, where Craig T. Nelson get fucked. I think that's it for the movie. Anything else you want to touch on before we get into MVP? I did want to touch on one thing. As I was okay. uh, jotting down my notes, Yeah, I was thinking about this whole skulls mentality, which on the surface level, it's this great thing. You know, lots of money uh, raises people to the top. But really, as you dive into the skulls, it's all about blackmail. Oh yeah, it's it, all about yeah. holding things up, uh, you know, up against each other. You got to record things and like call in favors if you don't do this. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, what is vicarious living? Oh, blackmail podcast. What is what are you doing here with just recording a bunch of people? Oh yeah, are you a skull, BD? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Are you a skull, dude? Great question um no uh, for those who can't uh, get a visual right now there was a wink <laughs> there was a wink <laughs> so there's a good chance for everybody who's uh, been a guest on this pod that in about 10 years from now bd is going to call on you for favors all your racist comments <laughs> that i've edited out of this podcast are going to come to light when you're trying to be senator <laughs> i knew it i knew it yeah, that's a hot fire take. Turns out uh, that's why I included it on the list of movies that I sent to you. It was like, is anyone ever going to like find this like Easter egg of of blackmail that I have nestled in here very secretly and, and whatnot? Um, good call out by you. Uh, 
Who is your MVP of this movie? I gave you one big task for watching this. Come up with the most valuable player. Who's the guy or girl who is doing it for you the most in this in this fine film? Not a lot of girls in this film. No. Just Chloe. <laughs> just Chloe. Just Chloe. She was just there to have super hot sex in the shower. So Yeah, great sex scene though. Make give her MVP just for that sex scene. Uh but actually I've been thinking about this hard and maybe I have a different definition of MVP, but for me, AJB, uh, <laughs> AJB, DJ culture quest. I want your definition of the MVP, not mine. I'm going with a, uh, Mr. M, Mr. Mandrake. No, the fucking MCIW winner. Yeah. The guy who the just dad. won the worst character. Of the movie. <laughs> That's happened only once. On 98 podcasts, that's only happened one other time. Because I thought that he did such a great job of embodying the evil, overbearing father that just was totally pushed his Paul Walker, my boy, Paul Walker, yeah. into RIP. just, you know, you know that Paul Walker has a, has a heart of gold. Yeah, I know that. And if you have an overbearing father like Mr. Mandrake... But I thought he did such a great job of exemplifying that white supremacist dad, that Jeff Epstein dad, dad. (laughs) that, uh, you know, he just sold it. I bought it hook, long, and sinker. And uh, I think that I want to embody his uh, look as I grow old. You that So you just want to, like, grow a pencil-thin mustache? That's pretty much what it comes down to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look. Just because he's the worst character doesn't mean that he is also not the most dynamic MVP. So dynamic. <laughs> this guy's full of layers. This guy is an onion. You start pulling those layers back and you're like, holy fucking shit. Cool, dude. For the second time ever in podcast VL podcast history, uh, we have the worst character of the movie also winning the best character. Hey. DJ Culture Quest, a.k.a. AJB. Those kids are getting tired, and they're ready for bed. So we're going to tell those kids. Kids, I hope you enjoyed this movie breakdown. Have a good night. Sleep tight, kids. And AJ, you help with the sign-off. What are we going to tell those kids? Clear eyes. Full hearts. Do less, kids. Do less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.